This program is brought to you by Bible Media, overseen by the elders of the Chipman Road Church of Christ in Lee Summit, Missouri. Thank you for joining us today here on Coffee with Zach and Russ. Hello again, we do want to welcome you back to Coffee with Zach and Russ. And today we have with us our guest speaker, our guest uh, host, however you want to call it, Brother Michael Bonner. So we do want to welcome him here with us today. Um, we are going to kind of give a quick review of what we talked about before, but Brother Bonner is in the middle of doing a gospel meeting in Olathe. Uh, of course, by the time you hear this, it will already be done, but we do encourage you to go back to watch it on YouTube. Um, but, uh, Zach, do you want to give a quick review of what we've been talking about in the previous lesson, or I can? Yeah, well, you know, we've been, you know, we started off that first episode, you know, dealing with those that, you know, leave the faith. And we talked about various steps of, you know, going to restore them. And, we, you know, we mentioned, you know, it can not only just be just false teachers, but just anybody in general when they leave the faith. And so what do we do to bring them back? And, you know, we even talked about the idea of with some individuals, you have to reconvert them. And then mm-hmm. we talked about, uh, man, really preaching the truth. And I believe we went to John chapter 17 and looked there uh, at really the prayer of Jesus that he wanted even us to, you know, be unified, to mm-hmm. Uh, have that unity together. Paul dealt with it in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter number one. Mm -hmm. And so really we honed in a lot uh, of just sticking to and relying on truth. And I think that was probably the biggest thing that we hit on because, I mean, let's be honest, uh, Mm -hmm. when you stick with truth and stick with the word of God, you're going to be right every time. Yeah. Um, And we talked about, um, to your point, we talked about the biggest way to address any issue is with... um, you know, just plain Bible teaching. And I'm sure Brother Bonner, I'm going to pull him in on this now, um, will agree that, you know, whenever error or issues comes up, the first thing you do is remind people what the Bible says. So, Well, anytime you have error, you need to examine it. As First Thessalonians 5, 21 demonstrates to us as to uh, despise not prophesying. You think about that idea there is we're supposed to hear out everybody. And when it doesn't line up with the Word of God, now we have a responsibility. Well, what's that responsibility? To go confront the error. And so Ephesians 4.15, we have the attitude. And so as long as we have the proper attitude and the right uh, word, then it ought to go smooth. But we already know (laughs) it always doesn't go that way. Yeah, we talked about that in our unofficial uh, preacher's meeting the other night when we were having that. Uh, Mexican meal. Um, that's uh, and that's how it gets right when preachers get together. We have unofficial preacher meetings, but we all know anyone who's who's and really, you don't have to be a preacher of the gospel to know that when you try to defend truth and remind people of the truth that, to your point, it doesn't always go well. You know, some people will appreciate that. I remember one brother who, years ago, um, I did a lesson. I don't remember what it was on, and he came up to me later and said, "You stepped on my toes today, but I needed it." And I thought. You know, that's the kind of response you want, just right. honesty. It hurt, but hey, I needed that. And I think it's something we all have to realize, too, that the truth hurts, but we need it. You know, the Bible talks about, um, there in Revelation, I believe also there in the Old Testament, the mind is something in my mind now, but how the Word of God, you know, is sweet uh, to the taste, but when, you, when, we, when it gets into our stomach, and I always thought about this one, when you, try, when you go to apply it to your lives, it can be difficult for us to do, but it's to our benefit. Uh, you know, and 
I always I try not to bring in food too much. But the best, the things that are, that are good for you in life oftentimes don't taste the best. You know, when I was a kid growing up, my parents loved to, to feed us beets. I hated beets. Even to this day, I, I can still see that purple pan in my nightmares. So, um, but it was supposed to be good for you. Well, the truth of God's word, you know, it's good for us. It's not always easy for us to hear, but uh, it's, it's going to be beneficial to us. Yeah, that's that Revelation 10, 9 and 10. You mm-hmm. know, it goes in sweet, and, and but it's in your belly, it's better. Mm-hmm. You know, and mm-hmm. so here, man, this is good stuff. Now I got to go preach it. Yeah. Yikes. Yeah. yeah. You know, not only preach it, but, you know, sometimes this is hard, but live it. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. You know, I say all the time when I'll, I'll do a lesson, and I tell, at least when we're talking about either before or after, I'm like, you know, when I prepare a lesson, I'm preaching it to myself too. And sometimes a lesson I was going to do on the Sunday is on the wait a week or two because I need to think some things out. And because when you prepare lessons, you, you are going to be affected by, if you're honest, some lessons are going to affect you. And right. it brings out things in your own life. You're like, no, I need to do better than this. Right. And I'm not afraid to get in the pulpit and say, you know what? When I talked about, uh, I talked about a couple weeks ago, be happy. And I talked about not complaining. And I literally said from the pulpit, I can teach a class on how to complain because I'm really good at it. <laughs> um, and that's just being honest. That's not what we want to do, but sometimes we can be that way. In Proverbs 9, verse 8, if you approve a wise man, he'll love you. Mm-hmm. If you rebuke a scorner, he'll hate you. Yeah. And one thing we do know that, okay, we can hear something that's not right and we go confront. But mm-hmm. if we say something that's not right or maybe even off-colored, we should want someone to come and check us on it. Why? Because yeah. the Word of God is right. We want to be right with the Word of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, it's, you know, we, we talked about this the other night when we were having that meal, and we were talking about uh, David and Bathsheba and the sin that had you pointed out to him. Um, and David's response was, I mean, first of all, he had have it pointed out to him, but his response when it was, was he wanted to make it right. Um, and I'm, I'm sure it was difficult for David to hear about what he had done being wrong um, and see the consequences of it. But we have to think about eternal consequences. You know, know, um, family members are not members of the church. In fact, the the vast majority of them are not. And I love them dearly, but I'm not going to go to hell for them. Uh, And so, and I think if it was was flipped the other way around, they'd probably feel the same way. And we should, you know. And so, um, the truth affects us very uh, very much if we if we allow it as we should, and I don't want to step over what we're going to talk about here in a second. Did you have something you wanted to say before we? No, because I'll get into a whole other can of worms. Let's, <laughs> okay. let's get to today's topic. Uh, so uh, we were talking before about whether uh, Bonner's lesson tonight that's going to be tonight uh, for us here on Tuesday night. It's, it's the twenty fourth. Uh, of course, by the time this comes out, uh, it'll already be out there. But I would encourage you to go back and listen to it. It will be on Olathe's YouTube channel. Uh, but uh, if you want to go ahead and talk, uh, talk to us a little bit about that, Michael, and we'll, we'll talk about uh, this lesson this evening that you're going to be doing. Mainly the lesson is going to be how God impresses his will upon us through his word and how through that impression we can then impress others. And so like in Romans 6 and verse number 17, we understand that Paul is talking about that form of teaching mm-hmm. which was delivered. And so when we consider that word form, comes from the Greek word tupas, which literally means to strike a blow or to make an imprint or an impression. And so God's word is designed to impress upon us his will. And then upon meditation, upon application, 
then we have the responsibility, as Paul told Timothy, to be an example to the believers in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 12 and 13. And as long as he is being an example to the believers, he's going to impress certain attributes and characteristics upon them. And so it is through the Holy Spirit's teaching, his word, that impresses upon us how to live, and then we can do that with other people. Mm -hmm. You know, you were talking about beforehand, uh, kind of where you got the idea for this, about a brother who, uh, I forget where you said he was at, works with the presses. Uh, uh, Tom Spiro. Yes. Michigan. Michigan, okay. And you were talking about how he works with presses. And I've seen on, on I can't remember, on Facebook or Instagram, but... It's, it's a little reel or video where they have certain things against a hydraulic press, and they'll put something in a hydraulic press and they'll press it down, but the press always wins. Okay. Uh, you know, I think about that with, to your point, with the Bible and the truth. If the truth of God's words only impressed upon us and we allow to do so, the truth is always going to win. That's right. It's always going to impress upon us. And, and it's not a superficial thing, it's something that leaves a mark. That's right. And we think about the various things we've done in life. Sometimes, uh, We've gotten scars from various things to leave a mark. And God's Word should be the same way. It That's leaves right. a mark. It doesn't mean we're going to do it perfectly, but it leaves a mark, and that impression causes us to address things when we don't live perfectly. You know, you think about that. Years ago, uh, my youngest daughter, we bought her basically this leather stamp kit because it's something she's seen at like a a festival and she really liked it but you, it get, come with the leather and then she had these metal letters and then a hammer and she would set that metal letter on that leather and then she would take that hammer and she would strike it and it would leave that impression and what you guys have already alluded to it leaves that pattern uh, that word tupos that's used there in Romans there's a couple times in the King James that it's actually translated that same word is translated as an example right. and so you think about the Word of God it is an example for how we are to live our lives you know me and Mike were talking I think just last night uh, you know, to kind of plug our meeting, the lesson that he would have given would have been Monday night of the meeting was on transparency. <laughs> and I told him on the ride home, you know, I thought about the Apostle Paul there in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse number 1. He said, you can imitate me as I also imitate Christ or follow Christ or mm -hmm. uh, that word can also be translated even mimic. And then, you know, in Galatians chapter 2 and verse number 20, you know, he's crucified with Christ. It's not him that's living it's Christ. And, you know, people are able to see Christ through Paul. Well, how does Paul know how to do that? Because of the Word of God, because of the impression that the Word of God had left on his life. And what I think Mike's going to deal with this even this lesson, once that impression has been left on our life, we have the obligation to turn around and leave that impression on somebody else's life. That's exactly right. I mean, even when you consider that First Timothy chapter 4 and verse number 12, <laughs> Paul tells Timothy what he needs to make an impression upon them in. And so uh, one thing I love about God's word, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, all scripture given by inspiration of God, and it's profit for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction of righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly equipped unto every good work. Which tells me that the good works are already in the Word of God. We just got to go find out what they are. We don't have to go and concoct anything, or manufacture anything. Uh, Don Walker, I don't know if y'all ever heard of Don mm -hmm. Walker, but Don yeah. Walker said something that I thought was pretty interesting as it relates to good works. We don't have to manufacture anything. Go to the Word of God. 
it tells us what those good works are. Mm -hmm. And so when I think of 1 Timothy 4 and verse number 12, he tells him to be an example in word, which is your speech, in conversation, in how you're talking with one another, your lifestyle, your chari in charity, the love, in spirit, your attitude, in faith, your trust in God, in purity. And so all of these things, he said, be an impression upon the believers. As a matter of fact, the more I think about it, you think about elders in the Lord's church, but especially ministers. Ministers ought to be the example to the church. In essence, God is saying, I'm going to show you how to live. I'm going to put a man in the midst of you, and this is how you're supposed to be. Well, you know, to add to that, you go over to Titus chapter 2. Yes. And there in the context of Titus chapter 2, Paul is telling Titus, you know, the, the older men need to teach the younger men, the older women need to teach the younger women, and so forth. There's all these exhortations. Well, if you look at verse 7, he says, And all these things showing thyself a pattern. Well, that pattern is two paws. That's right. But a, a pattern in what? Good works. And then he goes on, as you were already saying, the Word of God tells us what these good works are, and he lists them uh, in doctrine. Uh, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned. Boy, a lot of people need to understand that. Right. That he is the one that's contrary part may uh, may be ashamed, having no evil things to say of you. That's right. And so it's the pattern of the good works, just to add to what you already saying. You know, it's interesting. We're talking about these things here, and I was putting these verses down here in my notes so I can uh, remember well, which ones we talked about. We're going so fast. No, uh, but like we were talking about, you know, we think about this pattern, this impression, um, being an example, all those types of things. And, you know, we think about sometimes, you know, if you ever tried to do something and you, you start the project, whatever it is, and it doesn't quite work out like you wanted to. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm not a woodworker. I've made one thing for Lisa and I tried to make something else. And I thought, oh, yeah, I'm pretty, I've gotten, gotten the hang of this. Nope, didn't work. Um, but what's interesting is, when we when we fail in different areas of life, and and Paul would remind Timothy. I mean, he talks about you know the idea of bringing to remembrance all these things that we are to to do and to teach, yes. and be an example. That includes being an example. Includes the idea that when we fail, we we correct it. You know, I think it's a big part. Sometimes we overlook right. because you know we we think sometimes a day that that we have to live um, perfect. And, and be perfect. Well, we're not going to be sinlessly perfect. You know, I think about Job there in chapter 1 and chapter 2 when it calls him, um, I mean, I can't remember, it's the New King James or King James, it calls him blameless, which is the idea there is, there is nothing you can hold against that person. And the reason yeah. for that is when they make a, a mistake sounds like, but when they commit sin, they correct it. Now, David and Bathsheba, you know, sadly, when we think about David, we think about probably two things. One, the phrase that we hear sometimes, a man for God's own heart, and then you think about David and Bathsheba. And then sometimes people think about mechanical instruments, right? And so two of those things are many times put in the negative, the instruments and Bathsheba. But there's a whole lot more to David. And what's interesting is, is the life that David led after the incident with David and Bathsheba. Right. You know, the life that Paul led after he was converted and changed into from Saul to Paul. And so there's a lot of things, I think we think about being a leader is that we have to look at the after of many events in life because that shows us an example as well. Because if, if we are an example and we, and we sin and, and have to repent of it, do we stop being an example? I don't believe so. We stop being an example when we leave the path completely and go off into, uh, you know, completely depart from God altogether. I appreciate the uh, 
the blameless point because the Bible actually demonstrates that point. Mm -hmm. Now, do we get hung up on the perfection point? From what I've gathered, the perfection is in the blamelessness. Why? Mm -hmm. Because our perfection is in Christ. Okay. So if I'm walking in the light as he is in the light, then I know for a fact that I'm living a blameless life. Mm -hmm. And so what was Paul's exhortation to the brethren at Philippi, Philippians 2.15? He told them uh, that you become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Well, how can I do that? And every now and then, I don't have the right thought process. Or every now and then I sin against my, my brethren or my wife or my husband or whatever. How do I do that? Well, I make it right. And so what do I do to make it right? Just like Simon the Sorcerer, it's no different. Mm -hmm. And so the problem with sin is remaining in it. That's right. That's the problem with sin. And so yeah. when I'm blameless, just like Elizabeth and Zachariah, mm -hmm. they were blameless under the law in which they were under. And so as long as no one can bring a charge against us and it stick, God says, you're okay with me. Yeah. And it sticks when we're con still continuing in it. That's right. right. You know, in 1 John 2, and this goes right on what you were talking about, 1 John 2 and verse 5, whoever keeps his word, the truly love of God is perfected in him. Keeping his word includes uh, the idea that when we sin, we repent of it. That's I mean, right. that's been part of God's plan since the very beginning of time. I mean, people have, made, have committed error from... I mean, all throughout the Bible. And the solution has always been the same. You make it right between you and God. That's right. And we find there in verse 5, true love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we, we are in him. How? Because we keep his word. It includes making things right when we fail. He who says he abides in him ought to himself also walk just as he walked. Well, how did Christ walk after the commandments of God? After God's will, according to God's will. He lived, of course, him being our perfect example, um, but he walked according to God's pattern that was laid out and, and did what God told him to do, to put it in a very broad sense. And we're, so we were we to do today, do what God tells us to do. That's right. To add off of what Russ was saying about what Jesus did, and I don't remember the verse, Mike, you used it the other day in your lesson, but it was in John where Jesus said that I've gotten everything from the Father, the things that I commanded and speak. John 15, 9 and 10. John 15, 9 and 10. But look at that verse. Uh, you know, me and Mike were, were talking about this the other day. You know, that's one of the things I love about gospel meetings. Uh, you have opportunity to have conversations with preachers that, you know, live in different mm -hmm. parts of the country and, and to be able to talk to them. But you notice what uh, Jesus there is talking about. And you said John 15. I wrote it down wrong. I put in the wrong thing. What was that verse, brother? 9 and 10. 9 and 10. I was in 19. That's why it didn't make sense. John 15, look at 9 and 10. As the Father hath loved me, so, ha so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love, these things I have spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. And so we, mm -hmm. Jesus did, wasn't just coming up with these things. He was following what the Father said. And, you know, we talk about this imprint, and we talk about truth, and we talk about making things right, being able to be blameless before God. It can only happen when I stop and I submit my will to the Father. That's right. And it's, Father, you want me to go here, well, let's go. You know, I think about, well, Abraham, and I think about uh, Isaiah specifically there in Isaiah chapter 6, and, you know, the Lord said, well, who will we go? Yeah. 
And Isaiah says, well, here I am, send me. Why is he able to say that? Because he's going to submit his will mm -hmm. to the Father. And so when we talk about, you know, what we've been dealing with, with people that, that get in sin, they're not going to get out of it until they submit to the will of the Father. Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. Go ahead. It's, it's interesting because all this goes, centers around what, what you start off with, talking about the Word of God making an impression upon us. If it doesn't make an impression upon us, it's not. we're not going to do any of the things we've talked about. Right. You know, if, if we don't allow it to make an impression upon us, we're not going to do the hard stuff. We're not going to do the easy stuff. We're definitely not going to do the hard stuff. Right. I mean, the easy stuff is pulling in here, over here on Sunday morning and walking indoors and sitting down. And that's the easy part. The hard part is leaving and acting like you are a follower of Christ, as we should be. That's where it's the hard part. Right. And if it doesn't make an impression, we're not going to do that. I live it. Well, it requires strength to be moral. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about Jesus and remember when his mother and father or his mother and Joseph was looking for him and he said, your, uh, your father and I have been looking for you. And Jesus said, I must be about my father's business. He mm -hmm. knew who his father was. Mm -hmm. His father made an impression upon him. It is written. And so when I think about the work of the Holy Spirit, through the word of God, Romans 8, verse number one and two, it's the law of the spirit of life in Christ that actually causes us to think a certain way when we submit to the actual teachings of Christ. And so when you look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, and I'm going to bring this out on the, in the meeting, he said in verse number 1, Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we as some other epistles or commendation to you, or letters of commendations from you? Think about this, letters, 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 that which is written, right? He said, you are our epistle written in our heart, known and read of all men. That's the same today. How do people know that we're children of God? God has made an impression upon us. We have the mindset, Galatians 2.20. We go out, we demonstrate that Christ has been crucified within us, and we go out and we show people how to live. But verse 3, for as much as you are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. And such trust have we through Christ to God word. It is the spirit's teaching that is in the mind of the child of God that actually navigates them in order to do what is right. Mm -hmm. And when we submit to that navigation, brethren, I tell you, life begins to be very well. The problem is we've got too many people walking according to their own will mm -hmm. instead of the will mm -hmm. of the Father. And we have a problem with sometimes folks thinking that these types of passages apply to leaders and those who want to be leaders. It applies to everyone in the pew. It applies to every church member. Um, you know, the the part of living for Christ and living as a Christian and being an example, that is for every Christian, everyone who's been, you know, immersed. It's not for leaders. And one of the most discouraging things to see is to see people act as if it doesn't apply to them because right. they're not a leader. That's right. And if we think the Lord doesn't take notice of that, we have a rude awakening waiting for us. That's right. Mm -hmm. And usually, no, go ahead. Usually, we don't have to wait for it. Yeah. We'll yeah. see it in our lives. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. And you know, that goes back to uh, the lesson that you presented last night, I mean, being transparent being transparent with ourselves, being transparent to our God, 
even being transparent to those that we come in contact with. That's right. You know, sometimes people are, are so afraid to go to their neighbor and talk to their neighbor because they might offend them or they might hurt their feelings. Well, let's be, let's be honest for a minute. That's right. If your neighbor is not doing what God says, they're going to die and go to hell. That's right. Mm-hmm. you got to be transparent with them. Now, you may not, you know, probably don't want to be that blunt with them right out the gate, <laughs> but we got to be transparent with them. The way that you're living, the things that you're doing mm-hmm. is not right. Mm-hmm. And God offers a better way anyway. You made that point the other day. We were talking how long shall you hop between two opinions. Yeah. Like, you got to put them in a position to at least make their own decision. Whosoever will, let them come and drink of the waters freely. So our responsibility as the spirit and the bride, the spirit and the church, come. You do whatever you want to with it. And when I learned that, I'll tell you, when I really learned that lesson, I'm like, you know what? It's not my responsibility to make you obey. Mm-hmm. It's my responsibility to put it out there. You do whatever you will with it. Right. I'm going to go home and go to bed. You know, that point goes to what me and Russ have talked about in our last two episodes. You when someone is in error as gospel preachers as and not even just gospel preachers because you know i'm mindful of what paul would say in galatians chapter 6 verse number one ye who are spiritual mm-hmm. well who's spiritual every member of the body mm-hmm. if you're not spiritual you're not a member of the body mm-hmm. and so don't say it's not your responsibility to go someone that's left that has left the faith because it is your responsibility because you're supposed to be spiritual we can't force them to come back we can't force them to stop teaching uh, an error or whatever that case may be. All we can do is put the word out there, put that thing that makes the imprint out there, and then they have to make the choice. Yeah, no one goes to heaven kicking and screaming, not wanting to go. That's right. Yeah, no one gets drugged there. That's right. And I've, I've made that point before that, you know, that no one goes against their will and also that grandma and grandpa, mommy and daddy, they can't, they can't hold your hand and, and make you go. Uh, you know, we think about, uh, maybe as Paul tells us, working, working out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out for yourself. It is personal responsibility. And I think about sometimes, you know, we think about our own life choices. And, we're, and we, if we, you know, as a Christian, we have times every day where certain things come up. And maybe they're trivial things, and we can easily just push past whatever the temptation is. And sometimes there are those things you put yourself in where some members, sometimes maybe maybe us or someone else, have to stop and ask ourselves a question, is this worth going to hell over? And I think if we have that approach to to things in life, we will realize that a lot of stuff we, we're going to not just stay away from, we're going to flee from. You know, when Jake, uh, uh, Joseph rather, left stark naked to get away from uh, Potiphar's wife, uh, she wasn't worth going to hell for, and that's basically what what he told her. You know, how can I do this great sin, uh, great sin, wickedness, and sin against God? Uh, he basically told her, "You're not worth going to hell for." Um, and I think sometimes we realize after the fact that whatever sin it was we were involved in, after we've come out of it and we've turned away from it, we realize, boy, that wasn't worth doing because of the the repercussions of it are so great. And for honest, of course, they never are. But sometimes, I mean, sin is sin; it, it can sweep you up. Well, I think we can take some of your thoughts, Brother Russ, and we can go even a little deeper. God's impression upon Joseph was so deep that his reputation meant nothing. Mm-hmm. He ran out of the house without what? Without clothing, yeah. Yeah, he cared nothing about it. He wanted to wait for that <laughs> so, one. So yeah. what the people thought 
and what God thought was two different things in this man's mind. He just know, how can I commit this wickedness and sin against my God? But I'm going to run out without my clothes on. Joseph, what, what are you doing? She trying to make a pass at me. He did mm -hmm. not care. He cared about what God. Right. Now, mm -hmm. we don't think like that sometimes yeah. because like, well, what about the brethren? What about my reputation? And yeah. I, well, hold on. If God knows, really, that's all that matters. That's all that matters. You know, I think about Joseph in this situation. With, with, when I read it, I always point it out either to myself or if I'm, it's in the lesson. The Bible tells us that she, she approached him day after day. Day after day. Mm -hmm. Which in my mind means that woman did not give up. Um, which tells you the determination he had to... To first of all, tolerate her and not sin, and then finally say, "I'm out, I'm out of here." You and know, he went to prison, an innocent man. This, 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 this man, brother Russ, just brought up some excellent points. The impression that God made upon uh, Joseph was deeper than the impression that Potiphar's wife was trying to make upon him, mm -hmm. because it only takes a few times for a woman to make a pass at you, and the next thing you know, be like, "She has my attention." Yeah. And now her impression upon you is greater than the impression of your God upon you. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, he's teaching us a lot. Powerful mm -hmm. point. Yeah. And it doesn't take much sometimes where people, for the wrong person, make an impression on you. That's right. And we have to catch ourselves. And, you know what? Nope, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing that. Yeah, or you're allowing yourself to be in those situations. And, you know, I think about... Um, well, I lost my... I had a thought, but go ahead. To go to, his, you know, that it, to go to his point, it's not just <clears throat> God impressing upon us there's things all over mm -hmm. the world that is trying to impress upon us that's right we just have to make sure that god's is the deepest that's right make mm -hmm. sure that god's gets to god's gets to the heart of the matter you know another situation i think of hananiah michelle azariah there in daniel chapter three and you talk about how deeply god's word was impressed upon them well you have this decree anyway that you have to bow down and you have to worship uh, this idolatrous God. Uh, was Hananiah, Mishan, and Azariah the only Jews that were there? Nope. No, they were not. But they were the only ones that stood. That's right. Mm -hmm. Which means God's word was impressed upon them. And you even see that in their answer to Nebuchadnezzar later in that chapter right. when they basically say, we are not careful to answer thee in this matter. In other words, we don't care who you are. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, he was the ruler of the world. That's right. <laughs> uh, we're not careful to answer you because our God in heaven is able to deliver us from thine hand and the fire first, but even if he doesn't. Now, this is mm -hmm. how, how impressed the word of God was. It's the point that we've got to get to. Even if he doesn't, we're not going to bow down and do what you said. You mm -hmm. can throw us in that furnace. That's we right. don't care. We don't care. You know, I think about those three gods. I think about three friends. It's interesting in the Bible because you find... You have, you find People standing standing up for God completely alone. You find people doing it as families, and you find people doing it as friends. You have Noah and his family standing up for God. You have Daniel in the lion's den. You have Jeremiah who was in the stocks. You have the three friends there uh, in the fiery furnace. Um, and they all, the, what they have in common was that God made such an impression upon them that they weren't backing down. That's right. And you know, I I, I can't imagine how. Well, I can to some degree how some of us would react today if the outcome waiting for us was a fiery furnace because and people don't like me bring this up but I don't care COVID taught us a lot about ourselves sure did. and it brought out a lot of things that that maybe we as per, as individuals or as a congregation they realize you know what we need to do better that's right and that's what we have to do every day we have to work to be better t tomorrow than we were today so. and those are the type of people 
that in the Lord's church that we need to be looking for. We need to look for those who God has made an impression upon them and follow after those type of people. Mm. In Philippians 3 and verse 17, I was sitting here looking at this, brethren, be followers together with me and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. <laughs> and so we do it all the time. We're like I'm about to go on vacation with my family. Do you know of a sound congregation in such and such mm -hmm. a place? It's yeah. the same thing. Yeah. Well, well, you can go to such and such a place. Well, well, hold on, Romans six seventeen. Well, no, they've caused division. I, we better stay away from them. Mm -hmm. They should have been marked for doing that which is not right. Mm -hmm. We're looking for people who've been marked who have <clears> done <throat> that which is right. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, being being known. For, I mean, you can be known for anything. To your point, we can be known for soundness, or we can be known for the opposite. That's right. And you know, one of the things that if if we're going to be known for soundness, then we need to be those who strive to be sound. That's right. And not give in to those around us. You know, being here in the Kansas City area, there are sound congregations, and there are those who clearly are not. That's just the reality of it. And that that's how it is over the world. There are those who are sound and those who are not. Well, if we care about the truth, we're going to avoid those who are not putting out that certain sound that we find in the Bible. That's right. And so, go ahead. Well, I would just add to your point because you've made mention a couple times in our podcast about the brother who said that, you know, I don't want my children to see mm. the division uh, in the Lord's church, but there's been division. And as you even pointed out, you know, we have congregations that we know who are sound. Mm -hmm. And then we have congregations that we know who are not sound. That's division because at one point, some of those not sound congregations, what were they? Mm -hmm. They were sound. And over time, they've lost that impression of the word of God. You look mm -hmm. at any of these, you can look at any of these congregations who I would consider unsound. You know what they're, one thing they all have in common? They've left the truth. Mm -hmm. They've gotten away from that impression that should have been left. Mm -hmm. They let it fade away. Well, you think about it. Is there a division in the Bible? There are examples of divisions in the Bible? Well, yeah. I mean, when Christ calls out groups like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Jews for their false teaching, he is making a dividing line between those who follow what is what is truth and those who do not. Right. Sometimes it's based upon groups of people. Sometimes it's based upon congregations. And in Revelation, we have the seven churches of Asia. He was warning them. And making a dividing line that this is what you need to be doing and you're not changing or removing the, the candlestick, candlestick, which is there is a clear division. Now, how we can read that and be okay with it but not want to talk about division around us today does not line up. Right. In First Corinthians eleven nineteen, Paul said that there must be heresies among you, hmm. that those who are approved may be revealed, manifest. And so when I consider... Has God made an impression upon me enough that I can see the heresy, mm. that I can see the division? Because truth be told, it's supposed to be division. Mm -hmm. How do I know who's on the right side or who's on the left side? Mm -hmm. Well, again, we, you brought up COVID-19. Mm -hmm. COVID-19 demonstrated who was on the right and who was on the left. Mm -hmm. yeah. And truth be told, it's still showing us still who's showing. on the right yeah. and who's on the left. Yeah, You know, he's talking about the right and the left. I think you're pulling that there from Matthew chapter 25. Right. Jesus is talking about the division in the church. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we have to be very careful when we say, well, I don't want there to be. I mean, that should be the goal. Don't misunderstand me. Jesus' Jesus's prayer in John chapter 17 was for unity. But we have to, we have to realize 
that there are going to be those. Paul would warn uh, the Ephesian elders there on the on Miletus that hey, there's going to be those that come from within. That's right, mm-hmm. and they're going to cause division. You know, whenever we, of course, I enjoy going on vacation because it's vacation. There's always that time we have to sit down and say, okay, we're going to be such and such place on the Sunday or Saturday night. Where are we going to go to worship services at? Um, and so you'll do research, and Lord willing, you'll do it before you go. Right. And I remember Lisa and I went on, well, our family went on vacation a couple of years ago uh, and when we were in Oklahoma, and we visited the congregation. We didn't know anything about it. We were told, well, they were sound so many years ago. Okay, well, whatever. So that's what we tried. And, well, we didn't, we didn't go back because it became very clear that the sound that was coming from there was not biblically accurate. I mean, when you hear a preacher so-called stand up and say, I don't often speak prophetically, which means he thinks he's a prophet, you know you're in the wrong place. That's right. Um, and other things that happen. And so we had to realize, you know what, I'm not coming back there because uh, there are too many other places around. I don't care how far away it is. I will drive to go to find it. That's right. Um, sometimes we have to do that every week. Sometimes we have to do it when we're on vacation. But there's never... We never have to stay in a place that is, is, is teaching and doing things that are not in accordance to God's word. And think about to remember that on the day of judgment, if we're going to we're worshiping at a congregation that is unsound, and we know it, and we know better, and we should, do we think? Do we also think we're not have to answer for that? I mean, yeah, we are. Why do you stay there and and have fellowship and, enjoy, and do these things with these unfaithful people? What are you going to say? Well, here's the thing: if God is not going to have fellowship with them. Why would I want to? Yeah. This is why this conversation has made me think about Second Peter chapter 1. And what should we as God's people allow to be impressed upon us? Well, add to your faith virtue, moral excellence. Mm-hmm. Moral excellence, knowledge. To knowledge, self-control. Self-control, patience. Having that ability to endure and uh, to patience, godliness, which is uprightness, uh, piety, to godliness, brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness, love. And notice verse 8, for if these things be in you and abound, they will make you that you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he who lacks these things, but he that lacks these things is blind, cannot see afar off, and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. And so, if anything, we want to make sure that we have the right things impressed upon us so we don't have to worry about some of these things that we're even talking about even right now. Mm-hmm. You know, I was thinking as we were getting ready to wrap this up, because we're, we're over 38 minutes here. But, really? Uh, Already? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Zach talks a lot. I <laughs> not um, Can't keep him quiet. But I think about how sometimes, and I've noticed this, and I'm sure you all have noticed this before, that you're having a conversation with someone, maybe there's a group of people around, and you're, you, and you're sort of talking about some issues that are going on. It's amazing to me sometimes the, re- the reaction of people when you start talking about issues of concern in the church, how some don't want to talk about it, they don't want to hear it. Like we mentioned before, that some people don't want to see division. Some people don't even want to talk about it. And I think if we're going to, if we love the truth enough and it has made that impression upon us, we should be concerned. Because those around us, whether we like it or not, do affect us. If there is a liberal congregation around us, and when we say liberal, I mean someone who's just, they're not, they're not teaching what is biblically accurate. That's all it takes. Right. Um, and they're near us. 
do we want to be aware of it? Should we be aware of it? Yes. Because what if one of our members one day during the winter and that congregation has to be closer and they say, you know what, I'm just going to go over here because it's closer into a liberal congregation. That's right. Are there options? Sure. Brother so-and-so has got a 4 by 4 He'll take me to services and not go to that place that is unsound. And so we had to have an interest in that. Now I'm going to stop talking and let you guys make whatever closing comments you want before we close out here today. Just one thing that I want to just kind of my wrap-up thoughts to what all this is. You know, I think about uh, what the Bible says there in Proverbs chapter 3. I'm going to take time to to load my Bible up and go over there instead of quoting it because I want to want to point this out as we wrap this up. <clears throat> uh, Proverbs number three, there in verse number five, trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not unto thy own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. When we learn that key thing there, to trust in God rather than ourselves, to let God impress upon us rather than ourselves or of or any other worldly influence, then as Mike even made mention earlier, then a lot of these things that we've dealt with and even the things that we've dealt with in the previous two episodes, they become irrelevant mm -hmm. because I'm trusting in the Lord rather than myself. And I'll just leave it at that. Well, I'll wrap it up with, with Samuel. And one thing I loved about Samuel, Samuel, he grew as First uh, Samuel 3 verse 19 says, and God was with him and did let none of his words fall to the ground. Mm -hmm. We have to get to that point where nothing that God says to us, we allow it to fall, to slip. Mm -hmm. And then in verse number 20, he had great influence upon the people. And all Israel from Dan even to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. When God has impressed upon you his will and you apply it to your life, then you impress others. But then in verse 21, and the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of the Lord. God has always revealed himself through his word. Mm -hmm. He hasn't changed today. Right. We need to stay with his word, let it impress us, and then we can impress others with the same word that has impressed us. Yeah. Amen. You know, I think about one last verse here, and you, you made a, you talk about the words not falling to the ground. I think about Isaiah 50, 55 and 11. Mm. So shall my word be that goes forth in my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but mm. shall accomplish what I, what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent. That's right. And it means God's word is going to do what it is designed to do, because it's from God, if we allow it to be impressed upon us. Right. So we're going to stop there today. We do thank you for being here with us on Coffee with Zach and Rust and Coffee and with Zach and Rust and Mike, I should say. <laughs> so we do thank you for being with us, and we hope to see you again next time. We thank you for joining us today. We hope you have enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Media by visiting us at BibleWayMedia.org. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can find all of our podcasts on all major podcast platforms. As always, we thank you for listening.